Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA, the FIWA podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and today we have two very special guests on the show today. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation on this episode. We're going to talk about a lot of different things like paying off debt and real estate investing and different investment strategies. And on today's show, we have Nicole, who is one of my colleagues that I met through work and is now a friend, and then her husband, Anthony. So welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves and tell the listeners a bit about yourselves? So I'm Nicole, and you kind of already said we know each other through work. So I work in outpatient psychiatry. I've been there for about two years. And then prior to that, I was in pain management. Yeah. And I'm Anthony. I uh, am a part owner of a landscape company, the CEO of the company. We're parents of three young boys and just uh, always working our way through our FI journey. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. And then, Nicole, how long have you been working as a PA? And then what do you enjoy about your current specialty or your past specialties that you've been in as well? Yeah. So um, I've been a PA. I graduated PA school in 2016. So what, six or seven years? Um, You kind of lose track after a while. I was in pain management for about four years until I transitioned to outpatient psychiatry. I really enjoy outpatient psychiatry, um, getting to know the patients and kind of helping them in a really like low point in a lot of people's lives, um, but then also get it and follow them through their mental health journey and kind of seeing how they evolve is really cool and kind of special. So um, I really enjoy that. Yeah, certainly. I, I agree with that. People will share their stories and sometimes they're really sad and tragic, but it's amazing how a few visits later they can be a completely different person or they tell you that they feel like themselves again. So it's certainly very rewarding. Yeah. And then Anthony, tell us about the landscaping business. What made you get into that type of career and what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, you know, I guess I got into it more by accident than anything else. I was working in you know, construction related. I was doing gutters for about five years and then I needed to make a switch and it was work-life balance and that sort of thing. And I actually wasn't even looking to get into the trades per se, but I got kind of talked into it by the, the owners who are now co-owners with me in the business. And I really enjoy what I do now within the business, which is uh, budget planning, you know, bigger picture things, problem solving. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't actually have to you know, run the excavator and do the shovel work <laughs> anymore, but I do a lot of the the future planning, which is a lot of fun. Sure. Very interesting. And then how did you guys meet as well, if you don't mind sharing? 
Um, so we met in an undergrad. We both went to Bemidji State University for your fellow Minnesota followers. Um, we met like the first month of undergrad and started dating and then got married like after undergrad. And then funny story, I got in PA school um, and left him here in Minnesota for two years. Well, I went to PA school out on the East Coast. So. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. By the time she graduated PA school, we had been married living apart longer than we had been married together. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that was really challenging. One of our other friends and colleagues, that was kind of the similar situation where they, you know, had just gotten married before PA school. And it, I can imagine that'd be really difficult to be living in a separate state while you're going through all the stress of PA school as well. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about your debt free journey. Do you mind sharing kind of how you tackled your student loans and did you have a lot of other debt that you guys were working on? Just share some of your story about your student loan and your debt-free payback. Yeah. So I had to refresh myself, actually. Um, Of course, my husband could pull out these numbers. He like knew immediately how much we had <laughs> and what we paid off. I had to like refresh myself. So we had $242,000 of debt when we decided to tackle our student loans. 190000 of that was student loans, which wow. included majority of, uh, majority of that was my PA student loans. So I think it was like $160,000 or maybe $165,000 yeah. of PA loans. And then the rest was like our undergrad combined. Sure. And we had a $16,000 car loan and then $36,000 worth of like construction loans. So like um, we had done a small project on our house and some other like things that we had taken out some loans for. And I think like our turning point is when we kind of decided to start our family, which was like, um, like summer, fall of 2017. Um, we started, you know, planning our family and trying to get pregnant. And we just kind of realized that despite making like really good money for our area, a lot of that was going to to our debt every month. And so we kind of decided like, hey, we're going to want to pay some of this off. Like when I was going to be on maternity leave, I wasn't going to be getting paid because um, I worked for a small private practice at the time, which didn't qualify really for FMLA or, or anything. Um, so you know, we were kind of saving up for that. And so we kind of buckled down at that time and like didn't take on any more debt for like projects we were finishing up around the house. And we saved for my maternity leave, but we weren't really paying off debt at that time. And then once our first son was born, Harrison, in the summer of 2018, we started to get really serious about our debt-free journey, paying, you know, our student loans off with a caveat being that we also bought our first rental actually when our son was just 10 days old and I was on maternity leave. Wow. Um, so I distinctly remember like standing in the rental with this newborn and you have no idea what to do with a newborn and thinking like, oh my gosh, like what are we doing? But okay, we're doing this. <laughs> um, and it ended up being like, okay, but would I recommend it? Probably not. We ended up using the snowball method. So we just tackled like smallest to largest debt. Um, every week we would meet and like reconcile our budget. And we were like very serious about paying off our debt once we like decided to do it. And we ended up paying everything off in two years and eight months and became debt free March of 2021. Um, oh, so congrats. like we were spending, yeah, we were sending like seven, $8,000 a month to 
debt for a, quite a while. So, mm-hmm. but we did it. We're done. We're debt free. Um, super exciting. Um, I love hearing other stories like of large debt payoffs. Like I think it's amazing. It's totally doable. I think we definitely have some things helping us. Like we live in a very low cost of living area and we both make six figures or more. So I think um, that was really helpful. We did live in a smaller house at that time. So like our housing budget at that period of time was just like minuscule compared to like our income. Um, So that was very helpful. But yeah, I mean, we just like tackled down. We literally did did nothing. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't (laughs) do much, Um, but we got it done. Um, So yeah. Do you have anything else to add about that time in our lives? Um, yeah, you know, it was it was just uh, it was it was a big goal we had together, you know, and so being on the same page. Um, once we decided to to pay it off, we didn't do much else. You know, we did actually buy a couple rentals during the period of becoming debt free, but that's about all we did as far as investing went um, during that time. Yeah, like you mentioned, I think you mentioned we paid it off in two years and eight months. $242,000. So that's about all we could afford to do <laughs> at the yeah. same time. We we had two kids during that, during that two of the three yes. we have. Wow. I so. did forget that too, that <laughs> during that period, I was not working for six, six. of those months because wow. I worked for the same company. At the time we had our second child. So I, again, didn't get a paid maternity leave. Um, there was no FMLA. There was nothing. Um, so yeah, that was kind of on us. And then we did have our second child January of 2020. So as everyone knows, that was during COVID. And so actually during my maternity leave was when COVID happened. And so I really didn't know if I had a job or if I was returning to a job or really mm. what was going on. And so I remember, you know, just being thankful that we had kind of paid off what we had because at least yeah. our expenditures were lower. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. That's an amazing story. You guys pointed out how you started with this very large amount of debt and then you had a lot of things working in your favor. You both have good careers. You live in a low cost of living and you also were just really diligent and had the priority of paying off your debt even when you had things vying for your money like new kids in your life, right? But let's go back a little bit about those rentals. What made you guys choose to want to start trying to invest in real estate and owning rental properties? And then tell us about your experience with that as well. So I'll defer to Anthony for these because that was definitely like his dream or baby, I guess. Like he really wanted to do it. He went down a rabbit hole with it. I was just like, all right, sounds cool. We can do that. Yeah. Well, we we started our, we've been budgeting for a long time, but we weren't really doing much with the budget other than just kind of skirting by um, until we decided to, to become serious and pay off debt. And at the same time, we both kind of had some dissatisfaction with our, our careers at the time, even though you know, we were making good money and you know building a family and all that type of thing. We started looking towards the financial independence and real estate is a, a very common method of how people build what they call passive income <laughs> and uh, become debt free and independent from their job. So that was kind of partially the dream with the real estate. And, you know, at my previous uh, employment, you know, being unhappy, we started 
I started sp- specifically reading a lot of business books. Um, I think Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad was one of the first mm-hmm. books I read on that journey. And, you know, he's a big proponent of real estate investing. So, and then I started following Bigger Pockets podcast and some of these other ones that are very good resources. And we just started crunching numbers and it made sense. You know, we were able to find a really good deal. And while Nicole was, you know, she mentioned 10 days into her maternity leave, we uh, decided to buy our first rental and we actually used the money we saved up to cash flow her maternity leave as the down payment for <laughs> for the rental. Wow. Uh, and then we were still able to cash flow uh, the maternity leave and we ended up, you know, financing the money back out. So we, we ended up having $0 in the first rental long-term anyway um, after three months. So. All right. That was kind of the, what started the, the real estate is just how can we speed up our uh, exit from these careers and <laughs> speed up our debt-free journey. Sure. So it sounds like these were long-term rentals and how many of them did you guys have? So we bought a single family home first. Um, it was a two bedroom, okay. one bath house and that rented fairly easily and, and well. And then we bought a triplex uh, in Brainerd as well. And that uh, needed some renovations and it was more like a, what they call a class C property. Uh, that market, that deal was off market. So it was a pretty good deal as far as purchase price. Purchase price, it already had renters in it. The reason we uh, started moving away from them is um, during COVID when they said the uh, eviction moratorium in that triplex, specifically one of our renters moved four other people into the his one bedroom apartment and they were breaking windows and doors and and having uh, drunken fights in public spaces. And you know, we oh, contacted man. our lawyer, and there's there was nothing you could do as far as evicting during those circumstances. And so that's kind of what made us lead to get rid of that one. Um, it was just wow. in a neighborhood that wasn't going the right direction for what we saw long term owning it. And then we headed down to the the one rental, and we decided to sell that once the long-term rental we had there moved out and we'd use that money from those rentals to to buy into a business. So we kind of okay. switched our investing strategy at that point. So we, in total, we had four units through two buildings. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So since you guys have sold those properties, are you currently holding off on real estate for now or are you looking for other properties or things like that in the future? We're open to mm-hmm. it if the right deal comes along. Um, and so our realtor, who's also a friend who also invests in real estate and all types of stuff, often brings Anthony deals all the time and is trying to get us kind of back into it. And we always tell him like when the right deal comes along, we will be right there but um we're looking more for like um large apartment complexes probably like partnering partnering with someone on a deal not necessarily single family homes or even multi-family homes just because like right now our time is you know very valuable with our kids and you know where we live um like the rentals would be you know at least 30 to 40 minutes from our home so if something were to happen like traveling to deal with that problem like it's just not like very feasible for us right now it's not um, ideal but yeah. if we got something where the you know we can have a managed property with a partner sort of thing um you know 30 to 60 units in, in one deal that's more what we've looked at 
And we have written some offers on buildings like that. They just, uh, they're very expensive right now. (laughs) So we haven't won those offers. Wow. Yeah. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck with your next step of your real estate investing journey. If you do continue in the future, that sounds very interesting for sure. And then you guys mentioned buying into a business. It sounds like that was part of your current investing strategy. Do you mind sharing what prompted you guys to make that decision, how that came along and how it's going? Yeah. So I will, again, defer to Anthony for most of that because it's actually investment into the business um, that he was working at slash now currently owns part of. Yeah. So it's it's the landscaping business that I worked at um, for about three years before decided to approach the owners. You know, it's a, the business itself kind of reflects some of our own values, you know, as far as core values go for how we run the business, as well as the business itself was debt-free, you know, so it's not in any way a distressed asset or anything like that. So wow. when we approached buying into the business, due to my role within the company as the COO, I already had a lot of control over the budget of the business um, the future growth, the planning, all that type of thing. So it just made sense for me to be in at the ownership level as well. But being that it's a debt-free business, it's been around for about 22 years. Valuation is you know quite high. So it's it's one of those deals. It's more like a uh, contract for deed, you know, if you compare okay. it to a real estate where we put in a down payment and then actually through profits of the business will pay itself off over a period of five to seven years, and then the, the ownership would be fully vested. Um, so that's that's one of the businesses we've actually pulled the trigger on, but we have written offers on other businesses and continue to, to explore those with um, a few other friends and investor experts. Um, Laundromat was one of those businesses we've written an offer on. Still sitting out there. He hasn't sold it yet. You know, some of these other ones, they... They can be a little abstract, you know, a horse barn building business and type different different things that could be fun to explore. And that's where more my passion lies now is putting in systems in a business and budgeting and finding the right people to run it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that it's really cool that you guys are trying to be creative with how to invest your money and clearly you're very entrepreneurial and it's not always all about investing in the market. That's a great way to build wealth and it's easy and accessible for people to do. But when you do invest in small businesses or create your own business or things like that, that can often be a large and quick way to build wealth too. So I think that's wonderful that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And we do invest in the market. You know, we we both have 401ks within our businesses that we max out, HSA plans that we invest that money with. Um, we have a brokerage account through Vanguard separately as well. So we do some of the more traditional things as well as some of the less traditional things and looking for small businesses <laughs> and, uh, and real estate deals. Very cool. And then how do you guys work on setting your financial goals as a team or any other goals that you guys have as a couple? Yeah. So we, during our debt-free journey, we both you know, we're listening to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. And so we kind of were very big into like setting goals and like, you know, figuring out how we can like optimize, like, you know, what drives us as people. And we're both very like 
goal driven as in like, I really liked seeing that number go down, having that visual, like to see how you're improving. Like we literally had our debt number on our fridge. Like people who came to our house could see that. And like, we'd fill in like, okay, we paid off like this much. Like, and to me, that was so helpful. And so after our debt-free journey, we definitely continued that. We kind of did what we call like quarterly like getaways or offsites, Anthony would call them because in his work, they do offsites. So we would do that once a quarter and we would like check in on our yearly goals because every year we, you know, you would set like, okay, a personal goal. I'm going to read, I don't know, 50 books or something. And so at those quarterly like getaways, we would check in on those things. And I think it helped us really like move forward with those goals This year in 2022, we did not do that because of my maternity leave. So I was on leave from April until July. And so with it being like in the middle of the year and then at the beginning of the year, me being pregnant, we just like didn't really go anywhere. And so I know we both kind of felt like a little disjointed, like we don't really have a plan or really know what we're doing. And so we definitely plan on on getting back into that because I think it's helpful for us like as a couple and, and just staying on track with like our goals. Yeah. You know, so we, when we were paying off debt, it was, we'd look ahead and with our budget and, and try to picture how much debt we'd pay off by the end of the year and put that number out as a goal and then track it. like she said, on the side of a refrigerator. And then even the past couple of years since then, we still meet, you know, it used to be weekly for the budget, but because it's less of a priority because the debt's gone, uh, we meet monthly, you know, review where we were at on the month for the budget, kind of where we're at for travel savings, you know, things for the kids. And you know, we still budget in Christmas gifts and everything every month and have a sinking fund for a lot of different stuff that we track, which we find, you know, a lot of people say they don't want to do a budget because it's restrictive, but we find it's it's a lot easier to spend money with when you have a budget and mm-hmm. you have that permission to... uh yeah. you know, get a massage once a month or whatever it is that's that's in our yeah. budget. And it's just like less stressful. Like, so for example, I drive like 30 miles each way to work every day. And like two weeks ago, my like tires started becoming flat. And I was like, oh man, like what's going on with my tire? I probably hit a nail and you bring it in. They're like, oh, yep, we can patch it. No big deal. But then they call us and they're like, oh, hey, we can't fix this and went through whatever the side it's not fixable you need four new tires so that's a quick $1,200 you know on a on an all-wheel drive like SUV and you know we had a car maintenance fund so like you know it's like do I really want to spend $1,200 on tires no but we have the money here just get it done okay no big deal you move on like I mean takes the stress out of a lot of those type of emergencies yeah totally Yes, I agree that emergency funds or often sinking funds or any type of money that you're just saving for these things aren't fun to put money in. And it's not fun to spend that money, but it really does help with the stress, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then can you guys clarify with your quarterly check-ins, are you guys saying that you often literally four times a year go on like a small trip together yes. or vacation or can you describe that exactly. a little bit more because I think that's really fun. Yeah. So like, okay. So when we did it in 2021, we still own the rentals. So we were like, Hey, we're going to go on these off sites and then we're going to, you know, say, you know, we did talk about the rentals. We talked about our plans and goals and what we were going to do with that. So 
we use that as a business expense, but we also use it as like a mini getaway. So like, for example, one time we went to the Duluth area. If anyone is in Minnesota, you're familiar with that. So we went there. Another time we went to another town just like 30 minutes away from us. Um, We went to Wisconsin. We went to Wisconsin, yeah, one time. So, I mean, we went on like staycations pretty much um, for the weekend without the kids, the grandparents parents would watch the kids um and we would kind of just talk about what where we wanted to be as a family where we wanted to be with our investments and our rentals our career goals yeah and so for the first getaway in january that's when we set the goals for the year build all your visuals and whatever it is and we'd bring those with us on those quarterlies and see if any of them needed to be updated or changed or if we're missing a certain goal and you know kind of recommit to those and that's uh, that's kind of how we approach it, very businesslike. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I, I absolutely love that idea because I think that it helps because you guys have something to look forward to. It's more of a fun process and hopefully a little bit more relaxing versus yeah. if a couple doesn't have something like that in place and they don't talk about finances often, it could be a way more stressful and heated conversation where you're like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to talk to them about money unless you're upset about something with your finances, right? And that's not healthy to communicate that way. Yeah. And like, I would say, I mean, we would spend a small majority of the time talking about like finances, I would say probably like 20% if that the rest of it was like really time to just reconnect you know with each other like without having the kids around um and kind of just have like a little staycation and so it was really nice to be able to do that um you know we both work really stressful in really stressful areas um healthcare and then you know kind of a lot of mental stress yeah a lot of mental stress in our jobs yeah. so it was kind of nice to to you know, reconnect and and go from there. So yeah. Super cool. I really like that. And then let's go back a ways. When did you guys first learn about financial independence? And what do you enjoy most about the concept? And what are your ultimate visions and goals for your guys' futures? So I think like a lot of your guests, of course, I like re-binged your podcast when I was preparing to be on this. Um, Well, thank you. I think I just stumbled upon it like when I we were in our debt-free journey because I started following a lot of people on Instagram who were also in their debt-free journey. So prescription and paychecks, debt-free mom, like sunny in California, like some of those accounts that aren't even around anymore. Like I remember following, I remember when um, prescriptions and paychecks like paid off for student loans. Like, I mean, and I remember some of these people had massive amounts like me and it was so motivating. And then of course, because you like followed them, it would also recommend like some other people. And so I'd be following these people and I'd be like, what are, you know, what are they talking about this FI or fire? Um, and then, you know, I stumbled upon like, um, white coat investor. And I think at the same time, like Anthony was kind of being introduced to the same thing through bigger pockets. And so we were kind of like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, but at different, <laughs> at different yeah. time, you know, times. So. Kind of found it in our own ways, but then through our you know good relationship and communication, we started talking about it as a goal. It all kind of happened around the same time of us planning to have and having our first child. You know, so that's kind of when the priorities 
shifted from you can put up with, you know, working 80 hours a week sort of thing to, oh man, I, I really don't want to do this <laughs> until I'm yeah. 65 or, or whatever yeah. uh, most people do. So, yeah. I mean, I think that having our first child was definitely a big catalyst for, for Anthony to look at his career and change it because up until that point he was working like 60 to eight hours a week mm-hmm. and you know, that's okay. Like that was fine to me. Like when it was just him and I, but then when you add kids into it and like, I had a bad day or a stressful day and like, I don't want to be the only one at home, like having to prep dinner or pick up the kid or, you know, those types of things. I was like, you know, for me, this isn't, isn't sustainable. Like I need to know I can, can count on you. Like if the kid is, you know, if they call and, you know, our child needs to be picked up, like I can't be you know, canceling my patients all the time or, you know, those types of things. Um, yeah. Luckily, since my change in careers, I've been able to reverse yeah. it and my schedule is a lot more flexible. Yeah. So uh, normally I'm the one to stay home or pick up the kids and take them to doctor's appointments, which is great. But I think, you know, as far as our FI journey has changed, as far as what the goal is, especially buying into the place where I work, changed my mindset from, you know, hey, we want to be able to live off of our real estate investments by the time we're 35 or whatever the goal was to, I just want to be able to have the flexibility to spend time at home and do the things we want. Don't want to be stressed out about, you know, we have to replace the tires on a random Tuesday before my sister's wedding, but that type of stuff. It's just more freedom of the stress from day-to-day life and the money and more I think either one of us would probably be bored if we didn't have any kind of <laughs> job to spend time on. Um, yeah. But where we've gone with being debt-free and the investments we have, we're able to have a lot of the flexibility we want out of our financial independence journey. And once we hit that FI number, we'll probably continue to work just because we enjoy it at that point. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing that information. And if some of the listeners are where you guys were a few years ago with a large amount of student loan debt or a lot of other debt going on and they're trying to get where you are today. What are some pieces of advice that you guys would have for them? I would say it's totally doable. Find your like cheerleaders. Like I remember, you know, like we would tell our family and even like our our friends who are similar ages to us and, you know, we all kind of had undergrad debt or some type of student loan debt. And they were like, Oh, you're doing what now? Like, what are you doing? Um, And so I guess like that, I think is why I found like Instagram, like the debt free, like community in Instagram, like so supportive because like, it was just this thing that people didn't really talk about or, or do. It was just kind of thought like, Oh, I took out these loans and now I'm going to pay on them for like, 20 years or whatever it is. And that's just like going to be my life forever, but it's totally doable, you know, especially now. And I know it's, I know it's ending, but the like 0% interest now that's been going on for like what two over two years now, Mm -hmm. um, like is insane. Like, um, and I think now with like the loan, the student loan forgiveness, I think I heard like only like, what was it like one point, something percent of people continue to pay on their loans during this time. Like we definitely capitalized on that. And I mean, yeah. So 
I mean, that started in 2020 and we became debt free like a year later in March of 21. But I mean, those remaining loans that I had were my largest loans because they were, we did the snowball method, if you recall. So my largest loans were last. So my last four loans were $20,000 each. And I think the final year we were paying off debt, we paid off like $100,000. So amazing. I mean, yeah, you can do it. And I'm not saying like you have to be as like, you know, like focused as we were, but I mean, it's totally doable. And I don't want to say we like, you know, like neglected things and like, you know, we're, you know, extreme couponing or anything like that, but we were like intentional with like our meals, like, um, you know, I definitely, we still had a small eating out budget. We still had a small personal budget piece, you know, when we're, when we were very serious about paying debt, even even just fifty dollars a month that we could each spend on whatever was was kind of you know like that's that's about where we were and for the time it was just fine you know things change now that we're past that part of the journey you know for me it was a lot of I told everyone I mean I told oh, yeah. people at work I told, told friends family you know I talk <laughs> about our debt free journey and and budgeting and all that type of stuff to a lot of people because. I know for myself and, and Nicole, we're both, you know, have a little bit more of the people pleasing tendencies. And I felt like when people would ask me how it's going, if it wasn't, you know, if I didn't uphold to what I told them I'd be doing, that I would be letting them down, even though they probably couldn't care less whether or not I became <laughs> debt free. It was sure. just more of a mental game. The more people I told, the more motivated I was to, to get it done so I could tell them we did it. So that, that was something that helped me a lot. And whether it's, you know, you get on a schedule. When we first started our debt-free journey, you know, some of our small loans were, you know, four or $500 on 0% interest for, you know, we bought stone for the front of the house, that type of thing. And then we worked our way up to the $20,000 student loans. It was, you know, at the beginning, I think when we first put it on paper, it was going to take about five years to pay off the debt. But life changes, you become more committed once you start seeing the small wins, which is why we went with the snowball method. And then obviously, you know, salaries increase over time, the more you put it into work and and that sort of thing. So things just speed up over time. So it went from five years to two years and eight months for us. So I'd say if it's looking too long or too daunting to start, at least just start, you know, especially if you got student loans and they're 0% interest right now, still make some payments because it's, it's going to make a difference in the long run. Yeah. Well, I think your guys' story is absolutely wonderful and it's only been a few short years of your guys' wealth building journey and debt payoff journey. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds for both of you down the road. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I think that the listeners will find the information super valuable and informative. If they have any questions or want to connect with you guys, is there a way that you would like them to reach out at all? Yeah. So I am um, on Instagram. I'm not like super active in posting, but I am there. So um, my Instagram handle is just nmcole1013. And they could like DM me or, you know, just reach out to me there. All right. Well, thank you both so much again. I really think it was a wonderful conversation and I appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.